as i grew up i always found myself you know asking the difficult questions or fighting with people about oh why can't we get this opportunity why aren't we getting paid why are the men getting paid and the women not getting paid you know so i used to ask these questions to the federation and the federation would really hate me is saying that why are you asking so many questions you just keep quiet and play those kind of things they would tell me but i was always the one arguing and fighting and you know constantly poking and trying to fight for the girls because a lot of people don't have the courage to speak i was always the one who was speaking and hence i became like an enemy for all these uh, organizations and there were times when i used to feel that why am i the only one who's speaking won't there ever be any other girl also speaking with me so that was a bit frustrating for me but now you know from 2009 till now 2021 now i can see a lot of these girls fighting and asking these questions hello everyone my name is dean long and welcome to the podcast lifeline In this podcast, I will interview people who are having a positive impact in their community and have a strong message that deserves to be shared. We will dive deeper into their journey becoming a change maker and hopefully you can take away some insights for your own journey. And please do subscribe to Lifeline on YouTube, Apple Podcast or any platform that you are using and also you can share this episode with your friends if you like it. It's really what helps me the most. In today's episode you will meet Ashwin Mrida who is the former captain of Bangladesh national basketball team and also the co-founder of Deshi Bowlers which is a women-led organization on a mission to empower women and girls through basketball advocate for equal rights for women to access sports and promote basketball in a cricket and football dominated country She walks us through her journey from discovering basketball as a school kid to creating the first university's women league and joining the first ever national women team. She shares how basketball taught her the values of teamwork, care and discipline, how she grew the Deshi Bowlers community and her dreams to set up the first national women's basketball league in Bangladesh. Hope that you are as excited as me to learn more about empowerment through sports so enjoy the episode and see you later hello everyone and it's something i say all the time that i'm very happy to welcome guests but especially you because if i mean lifeline community will know but i've been thinking a lot about interviewing people who are doing sports for development um because it's actually for me it's a, such a important topic i love sports i play mainly badminton i played this morning um and yeah i think watching the olympics made me in this mood again oh my god i need to find a change maker slash sport and then i was like oh but last year I, there was someone who was doing this with basketball then i i started to okay oh my god what's her name <laughs> and then i found you and as i always do with all the guests i talk pretty much everything available on the internet and i think i mean i found so many interesting things of obviously deshi bowlers your career and basketball your work at unilever but also the fact that you sing a lot <laughs> so i learned listen to some songs so it's pretty pretty cool so yeah we will see how you manage to handle all of this at the same time um but yeah so maybe just to kickstart this was some teaser but would you like to 
introduce a bit yourself, everything or anything that you share to kickstart with. Thanks a lot for having me here. And um, hello, everyone who's listening. I am Ashreen Ritha, and I am from Bangladesh. Um, a little introduction about me. Uh, I, I grew up in Dhaka, which is the capital of, of Bangladesh, and I grew up playing sports. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, and I played a very unique sport in terms of Bangladesh because in Bangladesh, you would, uh, you know, even if you search for sports in Bangladesh on the news, you'll probably uh, see news about cricket or football, but not a lot about basketball. So basketball was always a very small niche sport. Uh, but uh, the reason why I was hooked to this sport was because my father, uh, he, is, he works at a school. He works at the same school that I went to. He was in the administration and he was sort of um, managing the sports teams and uh, making sure that the school teams uh, would, you know, if they went on competitions for their practices, my father would uh, organize those things. So when I was really little, I used to go with my father to the team's practices, to the tournaments, and, um, you know, when the team would prepare. And that's how I saw basketball. I never saw basketball on TV or anywhere else. I saw it live in front of my eyes. And I found the sport to be very interesting, and particularly because my school had a girls' team. And so I used to think, wow, my big sisters, they're so good. Uh, and someday I want to, you know, wear their jersey and play for my school team. And, you know, it'll be such a big moment of pride for me. So that was the idea that I had in my mind, that this is a sport that I want to learn. And at some point I want to play for my school team. So that's how I started. And I played uh, almost all my life. Um, and uh, after I graduated, I, I eventually did play for my school team. I graduated, I played for my uh, college and university teams. And eventually I played for the national team for 10 years. Uh, but, you know, uh, our national team uh, at a national level and an international level, Bangladesh women's basketball team is still very new and um, small and amateur. But, uh, but we did have a national team. We, we played a few uh, international games uh, within our region, within South Asia. And we also played in the first South Asian Women's Basketball Championship uh, back in 2015, which was in Nepal. So, you know, I was for part of the first team uh, that Bangladesh ever had and the first the South Asian Championship that we went to. I was part of that team as well. So big moment of pride to also uh, play for, for the country. But uh, eventually, as I grew up, um, I realized that I was transitioning from being a player to becoming an activist. I realized that uh, the girls in every sport, uh, whether it's basketball, football, or cricket, or volleyball, or any other sport that this country plays, I always saw that the future was, uh, you know, and the limelight and all the things uh, were on men and not on women. And it was also not because uh, women wouldn't perform or anything. I mean, our Bangladesh's cricket, women's cricket team and women's football team, they're doing really well now. They're making it to the news. They're, bring, they're winning World Cups. They're bringing home trophies. But even then, um, the TV channels are always filled with men's sports. You know, when you open a newspaper, it's always filled with highlights from the men's teams. So all these things actually built up in my mind. And as I grew up, I, I started advocating for uh, women's right to play sports. And there's, there's a lot of discrimination that I have seen in my own eyes that I have experienced myself. And hence, um, I was always looking for uh, something to do. Like, what can I do to change this? Because 
of course, people can just complain about it for years. You know, oh, we don't get these opportunities. Oh, you know, nobody cares about us. Nobody writes about us. But nobody, you know, takes an action. Nobody tries to do something about it. So then um, uh, I, I wanted to bring about a change, but I didn't know how to. So I, in 2018, I actually got selected for um, an ESPN and state, U.S. State Department sports program, which was called the Global Sports Mentoring Program. Uh, I had applied for it. Uh, it's a it's a sports mentorship program where they teach, uh, you know, they pick women uh, from around the world who are working on sports development in their communities, and they teach them how to use tools to grow a certain sport and how to develop a sport uh, in their country. So I went on that program, uh, and they pick like fifteen women uh, every year. So it was very competitive. I never thought I would get picked, but I did. And uh, after I came back from that program. Um, I decided to form my own organization, which is Deshi Ballers. Uh, I was still playing. I was still playing uh, back then. And I'm, I am still playing. But at the same time, on the side, what I wanted to do was uh, create a platform where all the opportunities that we complained about all our lives, uh, I was able to, you know, I wanted to provide those opportunities. You know, uh, the fact that we didn't have enough training opportunities, the fact that we didn't have enough tournaments to play, um, and you know, not, not enough, not enough um, funding and grooming behind us. All these things I wanted to do with my or, own organization. And I realized that Bangladesh didn't have a, um, something like this, you know, which is run by a female. Um, so I, I, I sort of decided to start that, and I, I got, eventually I got a lot of support from uh, the girls on my team and a lot of friends and family. And yeah, that's that's how it all started. Um, on the side, uh, I, 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 I do work and I have a family. Um, I'm married and uh, my husband is also a basketball player. His name is Ibrahim. And uh, he has also played for the men's national team uh, and uh, in, in the big leagues over here. So, um, you know, happy to have found uh, my life partner through basketball. Uh, that is really special for me. And um, yeah, that's. That's, uh, I guess, a big introduction about me. Well, I love big introductions. I, I have one million things I want to say right now. Um, but I think, I think three things I really love about what you said. The first one is really, you know, uh, moving from being a complainer to someone who takes action. I really love this. For me, that's a, really the change maker mindset, like not waiting for the government or someone else to do something, but really you took ownership of, of this issue. And okay, I'm, I'm going to do that by yourself. And I think how you, the way you took ownership of it, and for me, I'm reading a lot. I was reading a lot today, yesterday about Deshi Bowlers, and I found it so impressive, you know, because you are building the whole, like, in front, like everything about women basketball, whether I saw you wanted to build a league, you are training a lot of players. You are tra I mean, usually, you know, it's, uh, I mean, from my understanding, it should be like something the government should do, right? Uh, but you are trying to do this, everything, and have the pro like, you know, for me, it's, it's crazy in a good way. Uh, so welcome back to that. Um, I would like to focus a bit on, I mean, I, I like to do it chronologically. Uh, that's why I call it Lifeline. Uh, like the line of your life. And maybe if you start again from your childhood and everything. Um, okay, maybe uh, let's have a deep question. Um, but you know, I, I, I saw, okay, you, you joined the national team in 2009. 
which was the first national team. So before that, there was no national team. So I wonder, you know, when you were young, I think you explained so many issues when it comes to women basketball. The first one, which is, it's not the sport that you people see on TV. People see cricket, football, they see Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi. Um, and then there is a lack of infrastructure. And then there is this social norm that women, it's difficult for women to play sports. And then there is no national team, which I, I guess when you are prof, like when you have ambition in sports, like the dream of everyone. So I wonder like what made you stay? What made you like play basketball throughout all of, throughout all these years? but with all these challenges and the fact that there was maybe no national team yet? For me, I think when I was younger, um, the biggest hook for me uh, to play basketball or learn uh, and be good at it was to you know, somehow be part of a team because I was yeah. watching uh, this, my school team, the girls playing together, uh, going, going to play championships together, wearing a jersey. And then, and then if they brought back a trophy for the school, they would be celebrated at the school assembly. They would be, they would, they were made to stand in front of the assembly and then we would clap for them and then they would talk about the tournament. So that time uh, when I, I was much younger, I was probably like in grade two or grade three, but I thought, oh my God, this is such a cool thing to do. I, you know, if I could bring a trophy for my school, then it would be, it would bring so much pride. Um, I would feel like I'm really a valuable student or, you know, doing something good for my school. So th that's the kind of mentality I had initially when I was, when I started learning. And then, you know, I bugged my father and I said, you know, please uh, take me to a, uh, take me to a training school and, you know, enroll me there so that I can learn. And then eventually in grade three or grade four, he enrolled me in the, in the basketball federation training school. That's where I started learning for two or three years, just the basics and uh, how to play. And my goal was to, uh, joined the school team but but as I grew up um, and you know once I was in the school team I, I played around 11 or 12 school championships throughout my uh, time in school like from grade six I, I, got, I was picked on the team on, when I was in grade six and throughout grade 10 uh, I played uh, many tournaments and you know brought we brought and during my tenure in my in my school team uh, we had a winning streak like we barely ever came back without playing the finals game. We were either always champion or runner-up. We always played the finals. So it was really uh, a good time for, for the team. And uh, I really enjoyed playing the game. Uh, it More than the trophies and, you know, uh, bringing back awards and things, I think I made a lot of friends through basketball. Like, I, I made the, my teammates for my friends off the court. Uh, it, it was not just about practice and then go home and it's done. We used to hang out after practices as well. Uh, we became really close friends. So I found a lot of my really closest friends through basketball. That was uh, something really meaningful for me. Uh, and I think that's the reason I, it kept me going. It, I didn't want to stop playing because I had these friendships. It was fun. Um, I was winning. I was playing well. Uh, so it brought a lot of positive energy in me. And also I got a lot of support from my parents as well. Coming from a Muslim country, primarily um, you know, a lot of the girls uh, experience a lot of uh, barriers from home that, you know, it's, it's uh, sports is something that you just only play during games period. And after that, you shouldn't think about sports. You should only think about academics or 
uh, other things for your future, but not about sports. And my parents were really supportive. Like my father and mother both saw that uh, this sport is bringing me so much happiness and joy. It's it's helping me uh, be a more positive and confident person. I was doing well in, uh, you know, moderately well in my studies. Uh, so I was doing well. So my parents didn't really come in the way of my love for the game. But as I grew up, uh, I remember when I finished school and college, um, the opportunities to play sort of reduced. Because, of course, as I grew up, I never saw, an, there was no national team. So I didn't know what the future was. I just wanted to keep playing for as long as I could. But when I went into university, I saw that there is no, like when I was in school, there was an annual school championship or one or two school championships in a year. But there was no university championship. There, there were no tournaments in the university level for women. There were for men, but not for women. So it was a bit strange for me as I grew up. I realized whether what happens to all these girls who play in school? Do they stop playing or what happens? How, why hasn't nobody talked about this or why ha why doesn't anyone do something about it like all the seniors that I know have played in their school life later on they just quit playing they focus on other things their priorities change and they say oh there's there's nothing there and hence we stopped but nobody took the effort to organize something for these girls and to hold them back into the sport so I remember when I was in university I I I went around putting up flyers around my university. Like I, I, I designed a poster on, on the computer with, with a friend of mine and from in, our, in our university lab, computer lab. And then we made photocopies of it. And then we started putting it on the walls of the girls' lounge and, you know, the cafeteria and all these places uh, looking for female basketball players. You know, if, you're, if, you, if you know how to play basketball, if you want to be part of the team, Please call us and come for tryouts. And then we organized a tryout and then we formed the team. We made jerseys and eventually we started, we started, um, you know, my generation actually started women's basketball in university. So I think even during that time, I didn't, uh, I didn't think about uh, playing a league or going international or playing for a national team. I was just thinking of how to keep it going. Just that I, I should not stop. And neither should my friends. So I just start, started creating opportunities. So if there was, if there weren't enough teams to play a tournament, then we would play friendly games uh, in the weekends uh, when there's uh, when there's time. Just bring everybody to a court, um, and, you know, and and invite uh, invite some guests and audience, and then we would just organize our own things um, without any sponsor or without any any of those things. And then we just kept on practicing and and all that. In 2009, when the first time we um, we got to know uh, that the federation was planning to form a women's uh, team because they, uh, India had sent Indian Federation had sent uh, an invitation that they uh, they were interested to send uh, a team from the northeastern part of India to uh, Bangladesh to play a few friendlies and that's when um, the Bangladesh Federation decided. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not sure if they were completely. Uh, confident that we would be able to form a team, but I think they just gave out uh, information and notice to various schools and colleges that you know we are, we want to host some tryouts. If you have some good players, please send them. And that's how uh, I came to um, you know to the tryouts. And I think the number of people who came to the tryouts was very low. Um, I had expected that maybe when we go there, there would be you know 50 to 100 girls uh, coming to try out for the national team, but there weren't. 
mostly because most many people didn't even know that this was happening um you know and uh, it was very it was very uh, dhaka centric it was only uh, you know of course basketball uh, wasn't so popular back then in 2009 it was only played in a few cities where of course the basketball court exists like a lot of the schools and colleges outside dhaka uh, didn't have basketball courts so hence uh, a lot of there weren't a lot of players there but now there are it's it's growing now so back then we saw a really low number of girls uh, at the tryout and i was thinking um is this are these only people who are invited or are there people who don't know and, and i realized that yeah maybe maybe there are girls who just play and they don't know if there's a national team or they just didn't want to they didn't have that aspiration that this would happen so eventually it worked out we we had a camp for 6 months and then uh, finally a team was formed um and i think uh, one of the big reasons why that team uh, was successful so eventually when we did play the game with uh, we played a three game series with uh, northeast uh, india uh, a team uh, that came from tripura and uh, we won we won that series there were three games and we won two out of three and we won the series um, the reason why we were really successful was because we had a really good coach uh, and that coach was uh, uh from he he had played in the men's national team himself and he actually personally wanted uh, a good a good women's team and uh, he wanted he i think he volunteered to come and coach the team and uh, he really invested uh, his time and effort behind that team i think that was the only time that uh, that we actually had a dedicated coach for the women's national team and it showed in the results we started off really well and we won Uh, but after that i think he left the federation and um, and we just went downhill we we never a coach was never assigned to us um and we after 2009 uh, after playing that game when uh, uh, you know after the tournament had ended um in 2010 we didn't play anything there was there were no, there were no practices no tournaments no games so naturally you know a team that starts off in such a high that okay i want i want this series uh, i want to keep playing i want i'm motivated to uh, keep practicing and uh, you know play with other teams but there were no opportunities for us and it was so strange uh, because we were a good team we we did well but uh, there were not there was nothing organized for us the men's team had a lot of games throughout the year but the women's team didn't so that's how it became really slow um and i think uh, you know 2009 till now so many years enough years to make a team really really grow and do well and the way in which our south asian countries like india pakistan like we went to uh, the south asian championship and we saw how these other teams are um the way they improved over the years because the federation and the government really invested in them uh, trained them did camps started a league uh, but those things our federation didn't do and that over the years the happiness in me started be- started turning into frustration and unhappiness that you know there's so much love uh, among these girls to play the sport without expecting anything in return like all these girls never wanted to play for a national team or never wanted to earn money like i uh, we played for uh, from 2009 till 2018 i played for the national team never earned a salary they never gave us a salary we um, never gave us a match fee and none of those things uh, because you know they always said that you know we are still growing we don't have a lot of money we can't pay you much uh, so all these things they told us 
So hence, we didn't expect anything in return. We just wanted to play. We just wanted to grow, do well, and play. And then, you know, suddenly it, it just became really. Um, it, it, there was a lot of unhappiness within us. Really frustrating uh, to see that other teams are doing well and we are not, and so many, so much discrimination going on. Uh, so yeah, I just uh, for me it was the motivation to um, you know initially when I was younger to keep playing uh, you know for as long as we can and not just me but because it's a team sport it's not just about me I can't just be I can't continue playing on my own without leaving you know leaving my team behind so I wanted to move forward with them and then later on you know when the frustration started building in the motivation was to do something different and. bring about a change uh, for everyone it's so so interesting loves uh, when you went out to put flyers everywhere to recruit participants i think it's also the unofficial start of deshi bowlers you know with <laughs> a few years later um no i think maybe to i i want i find it so interesting that you mentioned you you the team spirit is what um you really enjoyed you know for example me One thing I, I play badminton, right? And I think it is individual sport. I mean, you can play doubles, but I mainly play singles. And one day I played football with some people, and I did a mistake. And I know I wanted to. I hated myself because I come from individual sport. But then the team was like, "No, no, it's all our fault." You know, I mean, it's not your. You know, trying to. I mean, they never thought it was my fault. But me coming from single sport. Where I really hated myself, and I it's first time I discovered what a team meant. But it was very late, you know, I was twenty or something. Um, so I wonder, you know, starting basketball, realizing what a team is from such a young age, and being with a team for all these years, and also facing so many victories and maybe defeats in finals, which can be, you know, also difficult to live. I wonder, like, what you know. Values or what kind of not skills, but yeah, well, what kind of values do you think it developed? And maybe a while, how did that make you different from other youths who don't play, you know, team sport or basketball or sports in general during all these years? Yeah, I think I agree with what you said about you know team being a team sport and playing an individual sport. I mean, playing an individual sport, you everything is on you. All the pressure of winning or losing. Uh, and then when you when you succeed or when you fail it's a lot of emotional stress uh, if you're an individual athlete and you're training on your own versus when you're playing a team sport i think um you know the 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 victories and the failures are sort of shared amongst everyone on the team and everybody takes equal accountability and responsibility that hey it's not only one person's fault because it's a team sport so everybody had a role to play or everybody had A, a certain mistake for which you know we a team didn't perform so that thing uh, i think really helps and uh, when when people play team sports i think there are skills that that are transferable from from the basketball court or from the field into other spheres of life i think things like you know your responsibility towards your team um and you know if if uh if if there's something good that happened or something bad that happened and regrouping and celebrating it together or talking about it and discussing where you went wrong uh why did the team fail and then thinking about how we can do better next time so regrouping and discussing and finding a solution those kind of things i think really help for sure it helped me 
uh, in the later phases of my life, even when I went to work, um, you know, organizing and working with a team. I always, always prefer, even in the workplace, I realize that I prefer working with a team rather than working on a project individually. I always like to share the load uh, and, you know, you know, share the stress and make make the work much more enjoyable and fun. Uh, so that's there. And I think uh, playing a team sport also, and I think any sport helps to um, to really overcome and learn from failures. Sometimes in life, uh, a lot of people uh, go through this, you know, you become depressed, uh, you become upset and it consumes you, you know, you when you when you fail in something and you, you've, dream, you've dreamt of something really big, but you were not able to succeed or uh, live up to those dreams. And that's when people really struggle to move on. They don't know. They keep thinking about it in their heads and then they feel depressed and it affects them emotionally so so badly. But I think uh, when you play a team sport, um, maybe it doesn't impact you as much and you can move on and look forward and think about the next victories and the next uh, next things uh, that you want. And of course, uh, sportsmanship is something that uh, that you can take off the court as well. You know, always be respectful towards uh, the other players on your team. Uh, so, you know, showing respect to even your opponent who you're trying to beat on the court and uh, you're trying to win and score against. But at the end of the, at the, end of the day, you want to come back home, uh, you know, by making friends with those people on the court. You don't want to just uh, hate them for, for competing with you. So, I think the mentality is something that grows on people from a very young age, the, the way they see life, uh, the way they see people around them. And uh, as, as, as adults, when, when these athletes become you know, bigger, they go into the workplace or you know, even family life. Uh, there are so many things like responsibility, being accountable, uh, being respectful with others, teamwork. Also being disciplined, you know, to coming coming to places on time. I think this is something that has really uh, helped me. And uh, I am a I am a very disciplined person, mainly because I have so many things in my life. I have to organize it in a nice way, um, and I utilize my twenty four hours very effectively. Like I have a fixed number of hours when I will sleep, and then from the morning till till the time I will sleep, I have so many things planned out. If I don't plan, then I can't do it. Uh, so that's how I live, uh, and uh, and I always try to uh, respect people's time. So um, I, you know, when I, even when I have a meeting or when I have to be somewhere, I always <laughs> leave like with with more hours in hand so that I'm not late because I always feel like when you are late, um, just like during practice, if we would be late, we would be punished. Uh, I also feel that you know if you're late for a meeting or if you're late to some place where you're supposed to be, you are just wasting and disrespecting that person's time. So these are just some things that uh, that sport, playing sports uh, has helped me. And these are skills that can be uh, applied in other, other places in life. You share a bit more about your discipline. I found it very interesting. And we, I mentioned a bit earlier because you have so many things to juggle. But no, how, since when where are you... You say you have a schedule. Is it is it recent or is it like all your life? You had this very, you know, way of seeing your schedule and how does your how many hours do you sleep every day, for example? I try to stay. I try to sleep at least eight hours. I try. That's the minimum I, I uh, people need to take in. Uh, but 
for me, I think the scheduling that I started to do with my life was after I started working. I think uh, when I was a student, I was very flexible. You know, I had classes for a number of hours. And then the rest of the day, I was free um, for practice or, you know, to hang out with my friends. Uh, but then when I started going to work, I realized that, oh, my God, like from 10 to 6 p.m., the entire day you're at office, you don't have time for anything else. Uh, so that's when I started scheduling my life. Um, if I had to organize practices, then I would uh, do it either early morning like 7 a.m. till 9 a.m. and then go to work. Or I would do it in the evening, like after 6 p.m., uh, evening, one or two hours. I would plan it like that. In the weekends, uh, I would try to, you know, plan social life, like with my friends, family. Um, and, you know, it, I had to be very disciplined. Otherwise, I uh, wouldn't have able to do all of this. And with that, I also did a little bit of music. Uh, I, I had a little band when I was in university. And uh, we used to do some concerts here and there. I actually come from a musical family. My mom and dad, uh, they're also singers. So my, my brother, my younger brother is also a guitar player. So I come from a musical background. So hence, you know, music is something that's close to my heart. Even though I didn't really go to a music school, uh, I learned on my own. Like I play the ukulele and uh, I, I, I can play the keyboard and the harmonium a little bit. But I never learned from a teacher. I learned by myself. So you clearly I, I learned from YouTube and uh, the harmonium I learned from my uh, mom and dad. So uh, music was something really close to my heart. And I tried um, to fit in whenever I, uh, when I, whenever I could. I didn't try to overstress myself uh, thinking that, okay, today um, I don't have this time, but I'll try to squeeze it in and then sacrifice on my sleep. I tried not to do that. I tried to uh, keep my keep my schedule fairly uh, easy and so that you know I get enough rest uh, and uh, enough time to uh, to give to myself to my family and also for work but it, life actually got much more difficult when I started working and that's when I realized that oh god if I was if I was a full-time athlete then uh, life would be so simple uh, but of course you know I had to think otherwise the reason why I worked was because there was no money in sports. I would have liked to be a full-time athlete, but I didn't. I wasn't able to earn a earn a salary uh, through sports. So that's why I started working. And many of the girls on our team, if they if we did get a good salary, uh, playing for the national team or playing for a league, uh, we would have uh, opted not to uh, work uh, anywhere. We would have liked to be full-time athletes, but um, that's how it is. And uh, you know, to the point where uh, I. I actually had an Excel sheet, like an Excel calendar where I would um, put down, you know, on which day I have what appointment, from which time, and if there are free days, what I would do. I think over the years, I became a, uh, I, I became somebody who gets easily bored. Like if I don't have things to do, I look for things to do. You know, I don't, I don't like being idle. I, I just, unless I have to sleep or rest. The other times I just look for things to do, like I clean or I like clean my clean my cupboard or I'm just doing other things just to make my time useful, I guess. So I had to do that to make time for everything. Yeah, so you're always trying to do something. <laughs> really like it. And um, no, I think I really, I, something else you said, like when you um, coming back to the national team and the coaching, I, I, I heard in one of your other interviews that you said a good coach can 
Well, I don't remember the exact word, but a good coach can really make you progress and stuff, but a great coach can change your life. And I wondered, you know, I mean, I don't know how you practice until this moment, if you had coached before or if it's more like peer-to-peer, you know, advice and mentoring with your teammates. But I wondered, you know, you had this professional basketball player from the men's team who's a coach for like three games. Did you progress a lot in terms of, you know, like, I, I guess, concrete basketball skills or maybe... Well, or maybe, I don't know, the way to function with other players uh, during these days. Or, yeah, what, what did this coach bring in terms of maybe your vision, but also your basketball skills? Yeah, the coach was, uh, I think, uh, a, a good coach can change your game and help you win championships. But a great coach can change your life. So... For me, I think two very important coaches of my life. One was the national team coach uh, back in 2009. Um, His name was Iqbal Hussein Amy. And uh, what I really saw in him was that he was thinking about something that was beyond basketball. Like he was truly invested in the team. And this was the first time that a team was happening. So um, all the girls were scared. They didn't know what to expect. They didn't know how they would perform. But He motivated everyone. Um, He tried to ensure that they did not face any troubles at home. If needed, sometimes he would even talk to the parents. Like, uh, for example, when I was on the team, I was the youngest on the team. And uh, I had classes. So I had to finish classes and come to practice. Uh, Sometimes my father would bring me to practice because I used to live really far away from the practice uh, location. So it was like a one and a half hours commute for me every day. So my father would drive me or take me uh, through a taxi or something. And, uh, and the coach actually met my father one day when he was, when he came, when he dropped me off or picked me up, he talked to him and said, um, you know, why do you, uh, you know, because a lot of the players lived nearby, so they would commute by themselves on a rickshaw or something. So the coach actually asked my father that, um, you know, it's really hard for you to, uh, commute every day you know you bring your daughter and you take her home uh, and my father had a job as well so he was doing it after his uh, office hours uh, and it was really hectic for him and the coach actually offered and said that we can arrange uh, a car a service uh, a drop-off and a pickup service for your daughter if you if you feel that that would be easier for you because you know you are you are also commuting with your daughter, so it's hard for you. So, you know, those things made me realize that he was not only here to teach basketball skills. He was trying to create a community, create a group of girls who who would stay with basketball. He wanted to ensure he didn't, he could have just not cared. He could have not cared who is coming from where, uh, what background they're coming from. But he was really invested. Like every day at practice, he would ask, what did you eat at home? Um you know, what did you do all day? And and we came from different backgrounds and everyone had a different story to say. And we would share the, those things in practice. He would also make lots of jokes and uh, he had a nickname for all of us. So I lived uh, really far away and the location where I live uh, is called Uttara. So my he used to call me Uttara. He used to call me like, hey, Uttara, come here, do this, do that. So, you know, he tried to really bond with the team, unlike the other coaches I've seen in my in my career, in my life where they would just come, teach, do drills, and then go home. 
but this coach was really invested to know the players understand where they're coming from if they were having issues at home he would try to solve them he at least tried i don't know if he was able to solve them all but he at least tried to speak to parents and things so that was one coach who really taught me that you know your team uh, the team you coach is not only uh, you know you're not only coaching them to become uh, a winner at at a game but also you know to become good human beings and he would teach us lots of valuable lessons during during practice so that's one and i think the second coach uh, that i got the you know good um, uh, opportunity to have was much later in life actually so when i when after uh, i i had deshi ballers and we used to uh, we didn't have a coach for deshi ballers uh, so you know because it would it would cost us a lot of money to keep a full time coach we didn't have a lot of funding back then because we have to rent the court for practices uh you know at, we have we have to rent not a lot of we don't have a lot of public uh, courts to play in so we have to rent a good uh private court which is safe and secured for girls so because there was a fee uh, involved and which was we divided it up among the players um hiring a coach would mean that um it would have to be funded by the players you know through fees so we wanted to keep it minimal and we used to run the seniors me and some of the other senior girls we used to run the practices so we were also becoming like sort of like coaches so that's how we used to prepare for our teams and i think one um, there was a there was a college tournament where uh, they invited um, a team from deshi ballers uh, a senior team from deshi ballers saying that they uh, the american school in dhaka actually uh, they were going to go abroad for a tournament and they said they want to play some practice games with the best some of the best um, girls in dhaka and they reached out to deshi ballers and said why don't you send us a team so then we prepared a team and we went there to play uh, and we won and uh, there was a coach over there uh, so he was a middle school teacher at at the school uh, he wasn't the basketball coach but he was a teacher over there and he, but he had some coaching experiences uh, in other countries where he worked so he came up to us and he said uh, who coaches the deshi ballers team and i said we don't have a coach and then he said really how come then how did you prepare this team and then we said uh, we don't have a coach but uh, we have a court which we booked we have this group of girls and then what i used to do was i used to look at on youtube on the nba website on the other you know online places where there are practice plans with videos i would learn them and then on on the court i would try to teach the rest of the girls and we would i would make a practice plan and then we would do those uh, drills uh, by ourselves and he was so shocked and he said this is crazy because without a coach i mean you you guys played quite well and we, if you had a coach and think about how how well you could have played so then we his name was coach uh, caleb arnest uh, we call him coach caleb uh, and then he said uh, if uh, if you would allow me then i would like to come to your practices and i would voluntarily uh, like to help you guys so that's when um he started coming to our practices and he uh you know we we started uh, we we had a big group of girls about 20 30 girls who would come to train at our practices and uh, coach Caleb used to help run the drills and uh it, this coach was you know i realized that he is much more experienced and knowledgeable like he uh he had knowledge of coaching girls from afghanistan from kenya like he was in he was in many countries uh, in his lifetime and he had a good ex- he got a good coaches coaches degree in the us as well we had never in bangladesh uh, experienced a coach like him um 
and i realized that if if given the opportunity if we had the resources if we had uh, a good coach a good teacher teaching us or the national team or any any team uh, you know has the willingness to and the potential to succeed so uh, staying and being connected with uh, coach kelev and he still connected with us uh, even though now he became a uh, middle school principal so he can't give a lot of time but during that one year he trained us he, he taught us a lot of drills which now we can do by ourselves like he taught us the basics he said this is how you do it and now we can run it by ourselves and uh, he's still connected with us any kind of deshi ballers um, activities or anything strategic we always go to him you know uh, saying that you know coach what do you think uh, if we do it like this if we are organizing a tournament then what should be the tournament format uh, he really supports us and helps us plan and organize so he he became more than just a coach he became uh, a mentor uh, he became a strategic guide for deshi ballers as well uh, so i would say that these two coaches uh, somebody that i had met much earlier when i was younger and uh, somebody i met much older um, you know when i was much older these are the two coaches that really made a difference in my life this is so interesting i think you can really yeah no i think for me it makes me reflect like what is uh, you know why 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 some coaches are great why some coaches are not great I mean, there's no it's not a magic formula but i think from what i hear i mean the care from the first one really caring not only about the game but about the people in his team and then for Caleb um not only the care but i think also i mean he understood what you were doing he saw the potential he saw that you are no bullshit people and he was like yeah let's let's support them i mean i think yeah no i mean he He, he so yeah they have the core have everything they just like a coach right now and i can provide that so he really cared um but yeah i <laughs> like i don't know if it's too related but I, i was watching on netflix there is this um tv sh- uh, no, uh, series about coaching so they interview a f- like super famous coach like uh um guy called uh, Jose Mourinho he's uh, a football coach and they interviewed as well Patrick Moratuglu he, he's a, he was a coach of Serena Serena Williams a tennis woman for 10 years it's very interesting so uh, since then I'm like when they were sharing they don't share a lot about the technical aspect but they share more about how they really care for the players they will sacrifice themselves for their team and I think it's something I don't know how you develop this right but uh it's good to know and good that you yeah had this experience with these two coaches and that it's something I guess which stayed with you right so it's something you also share with uh the deshi bowler community and yeah maybe let, let's speak about deshi bowler um so you mentioned the global sports mentorship program yeah no I think it's so interesting because I feel like you always had this desire you know to to okay how can we make women in basketball more mainstream and then this ESPN program gave you the uh, yeah like okay so let me rephrase what what did this program did it gave you like tools confidence i don't know what what how did it made you push forward and and start this uh the shibolor 
the program was actually designed to uh, work on my action plan. So, you know, the program is designed to uh, to make us think about the challenges in our community. Uh, what tools do we have now? What tools are we lacking? And what more do we need? Uh, and where do we want to go? Like, what's the destination or what's the future or the vision that I have, where, where I want to take women's basketball? So there were some classroom sessions where, you know, they, uh, it was, uh, there were uh, professors from the University of Tennessee uh, Sports uh, Diplomacy Division of the United States um, di- uh, Diplomacy Division. They all came and they spoke to us. They gave us lots of lectures and um, understanding about how sports management takes place. And then, um, you know, how even even basic things like how as a sports leader, you should be presentable uh, to your community. If you're doing public speaking, how should you stand? What should be your posture? Um, and even when there are difficult conversations, you know, when when you have difficult stakeholders like working with the government or people, you know, who really annoy you and irritate you, how should you respond to them? Because you will have a lot of enemies. Uh, you will have a lot of people who put you down. So how should you respond to them? Um, you know, how should you answer to the media? A lot of things they taught us. And um, and after that, uh, after the classroom sessions, we are also paired with a, uh, with a mentor mentoring organization based on the sport that we are specializing in. So since I was in basketball, I was paired with um, an NBA team, the San Antonio Spurs. So I was with them for one month. And, uh, you know, the good thing was that uh, it was it was the season opening time. So I was able to see some of their practices. So um, and their practices are like super confidential, like you're not allowed to go into the practice without a cell phone. You can't you know, record or take pictures. So I just went with a notebook and just tried to write down what drills they were doing, what they were doing. And I sat with the coach, um, you know, that the Spurs um, coach is uh, coach. Greg Popovich, he's a very famous coach. Uh, he was the coach for the Olympics, the national team this time for USA also. Uh, Greg Pop- Popovich is the head coach. And the assistant coach is a female um, uh, WNBA uh, player, a retired player. Uh, her name is Becky Hammond. And I think right now uh, they're thinking about how uh, Coach Pop will retire and... Um, Becky Hammond will take his place and she'll be the first female coach for an NBA team in the history. So it's it was super amazing to watch um, this woman uh, coach uh, these big men. And like, you know, and she her height is my height, which is like five, three, five, two or five, three. She's really tiny. And she was coaching these big men and with so much, um, you know, strength and, uh, you know, confidence. I was just watching her and that's when I realized that I want to become a coach at some point uh, here in Bangladesh. And uh, because, you know, in Bangladesh, of course, we do, we don't even have coaches. We have a very uh, limited pool of coaches that we have. And secondly, we've never had a female coach. So my dream is to become the first female coach of this country, inshallah, at some point. But at this program, I was able to see what the future can look like. I saw the top quality practices that they're doing. Um, I saw the W. I, I saw the NBA games sitting from the front line, um, and not just not just games. I saw all the other uh, sponsors of the league and the all the other sponsors of the uh, of the of the event. 
what exactly were they doing um and why are they funding and why are they sponsoring this event uh so you know in between breaks in between games these sponsors do a lot of activities with the audience uh and those are the things that i try to note down thinking you know if i have to get a sponsor here i need to make the game interesting uh it has to be beyond more than just the game for a sponsor to come and put money behind the sports so i was just trying to observe everything what was going on and uh the good thing is that the spurs also had uh, uh a sort of like a development or a charity kind of a section where they raise they did fundraisers and then they build they build community basketball courts they do uh, junior leagues uh, i went to one of their uh, community basketball courts where they teach little kids uh, i saw those um, i was able to go to a coaches training so i did a short training on coaching as well so it was a great experience so what they do is after the pro- after all this uh, two month uh, you know one month of classroom sessions and another one month of mentoring with an organization like a sports organization um all the participants had to come back and uh, give a action plan presentation where uh, what do i want to do when i go back to bangladesh and what are the tools i need and where am i lacking and how can i get there like in in 3 years or in 5 years so my dream and what i presented in my action plan was that i want to create a platform an organization like deshi ballers and i want to um i want to start um you know junior camps like a young uh, youth basketball camp so that it's the best the sport spreads from uh, one city to the other parts of the country so i want to go to each and every city to start doing camps and then eventually have a league where uh, where all these cities will have a growing pool of girls uh, playing basketball and then uh, and then from the league uh we will have good players who play for the national team and do well so right now i mean i always believe and one of the coaches there told me that uh, in order for you to have a good national team you must have a good national league because that's the place where the players will play that's the place where players will uh, practice and uh, groom themselves throughout the year a national team can't be a team that you know sleeps all year and then if there's a tournament they will just practice for two months and go that's what we were doing so we didn't have a league if there was a league if there was like a summer league and a winter league then the teams would the girls and the players would be practicing all year but that was not happening so i wanted to develop skills but at the same time you know give girls a platform uh to continue playing so with deshi ballers we try to do annual tournaments we have a training program and we have a youth basketball camp uh, program where we go to different cities we go to underprivileged schools uh we go to different kinds of uh, areas where basketball you know nobody has ever seen or played basketball we try to introduce this sport so right now i think over the last 2 uh, 3 years a lot of people know about basketball into the point where uh, even like uh, you know uh, i think this time uh, and i was very surprised to see this um uh, i was watching the wnba games in the olympics uh and uh, sorry the, the women's basketball games in the olympics and um i was i couldn't find the channel where they were showing the uh the women's basketball games i was seeing like other like speed walking and other kinds of um, you know sports uh, on the, the sports channels espn and all but i couldn't find women's basketball but i found it on the bangladesh tv uh, btv is our local channel and btv was airing women's basketball and i was so surprised 
that what I could never believe that I would live to see this day that Bangladeshi local government channel is showing women's basketball. So I think uh, there's a good awareness right now. It's growing. More people know about basketball. They want to learn. And, you know, coming month uh, in October, there is a national championship that is happening that is organized by the Federation um, uh, and where uh, teams from eight cities are playing. Um, I will be playing for my city and uh, there are eight, uh, eight cities that are playing. So which means 80, at least 80 girls uh, will be participating in this championship. And it's huge for us. This is the first time that so many cities are participating and it's really, really growing and it's a good time. Uh, so I think the whole experience for me really paid off because it gave me the confidence, uh, the tools, the strategic mindset. Like till now, I am connected with them. If I have any kind of strategic idea or plan that I want to share with them, bounce off with them that, that hey, you know, what do you think about this? Uh, they are still my mentors. I can still reach out to them, show them a concept paper and, you know, ask them, you know, do you think this sounds good? Do I need to change it? And they always have the time to give feedback. So they are with me till now. And uh, it has really helped uh, change the face of basketball here in Bangladesh, that program. Do you remember the... I mean, I don't know if that was the first day of Deshi Baller, but you know what? You came back to Bangladesh. What did you first do to really put your action plan in, in implementation? I think I went to practice with uh, you know, the regular practices that we used to do, but that practice didn't have a name. That practice didn't have, it, was, it wasn't called Deshi Ballers or anything, but I just invited everyone. Because all the girls were so excited that I, I had gone to the U.S., Uh, and none of them had ever been to the U.S., so they were very excited and they wanted to know what I did. So the first thing that I did was to uh, call a basketball practice where everybody came. And the, I think the first half an hour of practice, we didn't play at all. We were just sitting on the court and I was just telling them about the experience, what I did, what happened. And um, that's the first thing I did. I think I was so excited to share with everyone and all the girls wanted to know that uh, Ashwin, what did you learn? Where, who did you see? How many NBA players did you see? Show us pictures, this, that. But everybody was super excited. And that's what I think got the Deshi Ballers um, platform rolling really, really quick. Because um, uh, over the, uh, after I came back, the following few weeks, I was very busy because a lot of uh, people were taking interviews. Because it was an ESPN program, it was a state department program. It helped me put my idea on the news. And that was really helpful. If, if it was just an ordinary uh, program, which was, you know, uh, not well known, maybe it wouldn't get publicized so much. So I got lots of interviews. It was on the news. Uh, and a lot of people came forward and said, hey, I want to help. I want to donate. I want to fund your initiative. Um, you know, I want to sponsor jerseys for your team. So those kind of things happened very fast, like in, in, in a few weeks, Because it was all out in the news and my the interviews and podcasts and things uh, really helped. But the first thing I did was share my experiences with with my girls. That's so cool. I think now it's funny because you had uh, after sharing with uh, all your teammates, you had I think this natural opportunities to pitch everywhere, and then it's by sharing about it that people come on board. I think it's really cool. No, very cool program. Uh, <laughs> um, 
And yeah, I think I mean I I I I also watch your your speech when you were giving the one year speech of Deshi Bowler. Uh, very so yeah, I think I mean I could grasp some of the milestone of Deshi Bowler, some of the tournaments you uh, organize. I think that you've done so many things. I think I like it. I think at some point someone was asking you. No, you were answering the question like, "Is Deshi Bowler a team?" And you said, "No, we are a community." Um, and you, I think, can really feel it. You know, you are really maybe inspired by your first coach, but you seem to really, really care not only about the mission, but really about any single basketball player that goes through uh, your programs. And um, yeah, no, I think I, 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 I wonder, you know, like how did you? Because I think pitching, I mean, you can pitch, but how did you manage to build this great community of, and, you know, like break this, uh, break the norms of, okay, basketball should not be a sport that uh, should be played and that women should play. And until like now, okay, it's broadcasted on national TV. I think you've achieved so many things in like just two years. Um, So yeah, if you can, to share a bit about that, some of your milestone and challenges. Yeah, that one year speech, I can't remember what I said, but I, it was very emotional and heartfelt. I remember um, that uh, that day we invited all our coaches, players in one place and it was raining. We wanted to organize the event on, on the basketball court, but it was raining. So we had to go into a covered place to do that. Uh, so it was a bit of a challenge, but um, yeah, I think uh, I just wanted to break the norms. And the way I was able to do that was to be true and authentic. I think I was, um, and, and you know, we as a community, we were at a point where we had com- lost complete hope and trust in the system, which is the federation or which is the sports ministry. Uh, so those kind of things were there. You know, the, it was it was there in, in the players' minds that, the sports, uh, you know, ministry does not care for us or the basketball federation does not create opportunities for us. And and that's OK. I think, uh, you know, different organizations may have different priorities. The leadership on that on those organizations can be problematic often. Um, and I always say that, you know, unless you have enough women on the boards of the federation or the ministry, you can't, prog- you know, do any progress with women's sports. You have to have women on those tables where these decisions are made. Otherwise, you know, it's it's a male-dominated kind of a leadership in these places. So hence, they don't think that it's important to invest behind women, which is fine. You know, we could we could uh, fight with them all our lives, but instead we created a, an organization that is led by women, and we're just doing, uh, like you said in the beginning. You know, these are things that are that should be done by the federation, but. Uh, we are doing it for girls. We are doing it for women. And and sometimes, you know, men, boys come and ask us, hey, why aren't you doing something for the boys? And, uh, you know, now they are realizing that, oh, my God, now, you know, some of the cool things that we are doing for the girls, even the boys have not uh, ever experienced themselves, you know, the regular practices and trainings and taking them uh, to places to play and those kind of things. Uh, so I think one by one, we try to uh, take things slow initially. You know, we didn't want to overpromise um, based on uh, you know how much resources we have, because we started off very small. It was just two, three of us, two or three of us running the organization, 
and we all had our jobs day jobs and in the uh, you know after our day jobs were over at in the evening we would sit with planning for deshi ballers and what what can we do um we tried to you know get as many partners and friends uh, on board like people who believed in our cause and it really helped because we were the people who are running the organization are also players uh, it was me and one of my teammates monica and my husband who is also a basketball player so when people saw that this organization is being run by players who have have experienced the challenges and struggles themselves it must mean that they want to do something good and um and you know and we were always very transparent about how we operated you know in terms of finances we were always it was always a fundraiser or it was you know we were we were taking in donations and things and we were always very open and transparent about how much money we are receiving and how much we are using for for what purpose so over over time i think all these girls really began to trust deshi ballers and realize that okay um deshi ballers will always be there for me and um give me a chance to play and not just once but multiple times like we are doing multiple tournaments throughout the year uh, unlike the federation who's you know sometimes they're very inconsistent in one year they will have a tournament the next two three years there won't be any tournament again in the third year there'll be a tournament it's very inconsistent but at least our girls know that deshi ballers will have a regular training program where i can go um there is a fitness program if i'm not a basketball player then i can also go and join their fitness uh, classes uh, and there is a tournament or two three tournaments in a year where they can come and play and showcase their uh, skills and uh, talents so they really began to trust in our work and uh, we got a lot of validation and we won some good awards as well like we won a national award the joy bangla youth award which is one of the most prestigious uh, youth awards that the government gives to Uh, youth-led initiatives uh, in Bangladesh, and uh, we never thought that within two, three years' time we would even be ha- considered. But uh, you know, we were picked up, and we sent an application, and then uh, the, even the government saw potential in us. And right now, um, you know, because we have been so consistent and with our promise, you know, that we will give girls a platform to play, we'll also give girls a platform to learn, and we are now trying to develop a program for senior girls. who are sort of you know retired um maybe they're not uh, able to play full time or maybe they have other commitments personal commitments but we're trying to develop coaches female coaches and female managers and female mentors uh, which we've never had so if if you're not able to play then there are other ways in which you can stay with the community and help help us run things so it's very nice and positive and uh, the girls have seen the value and then through word of mouth actually a lot of things work as well you know when when a group of girls play and participate in a tournament like you know we our tournaments are much different from any other tournaments that happen in in the country in a sense that we give away jerseys and t-shirts to everyone uh, we give medals to everyone like somebody who lost uh, all the games uh, will will still go home with a participation medal so that really motivates the girls and when the thought behind doing this is when a girl goes home with a with a medal and shows this to her mom dad uh, brothers and sisters they realize okay well she's bringing back something that she's proud of she's bringing home an accolade you know and that and that medal she can hang in her room maybe she will cherish it and you know maybe she didn't win but she went home with 
with a participation award a certificate and a little medal to to showcase in her room uh, and this also gives parents uh, an uh, an opportunity to see that there is value in letting your girls out to go and play because she's bringing home something that uh, that matters that that's you know that's tangible uh, and it's it's something nice that she can keep uh, like a mem- uh, memento and also it makes her happy so those things we try to give uh, experiences as well as opportunities to play and uh, and i think everyone looks forward to to our events like whenever we want to uh, host something uh and we give a deadline like the last tournament that we hosted um and over the years i think the first tournament that we hosted we had uh, five teams um the second tournament that we hosted we had 12 teams and the third tournament the last one that we organized we had 16 teams so it's gradually increasing and um, we didn't plan on actually taking 16 teams because we wouldn't be able to pull it off it we would we would need a lot of people to manage those but after we wanted to take like 40 12 or 14 teams but then there were teams calling us up and saying please include us we want to play you know we look we were waiting all year to play we practiced so then we had to extend and uh, take two more teams and make it 16 so that's the kind of love uh, we we see from people and uh, we try always try to invest behind uh, the players you know whatever sponsorship money or any kind of donations and funding we get we don't try to take funds from the girls we'd rather try to give them back something to take home like jerseys and t-shirts and medals and uh, you know trophies uh, we always invest behind them and that's the value they see you know that uh, they go to a tournament they they get lunch they get food um, they get jerseys and t-shirts they always have so many things to take back home and it's a fun place to be and that's how i think um, the love for deshi ballers has constantly increased among the players so the community has really really grown from like about 50 60 players to now 300 to 400 girls around the country uh, know about deshi ballers and right now we have about more than 5000 followers organic followers so we don't do any paid promotions uh, because you know it, it's sometimes it it can be sensitive if we promote um, uh you know with money we don't want to boost and uh, and promote uh, a content to people who are not our audience so we want to we want the right audience who will respect and appreciate the girls so sometimes you know you see a lot of hate comments on social media we don't want that so hence we don't promote like we don't pay money to boost any of our things we only use organic like we share it in the right places and we want the right audience to support and follow us so 5000 all the 5000 people on our page are actually people like we know we you know our friends and families of our players and whoever so it's growing and at the same time i think the support from a lot of our friends um and family members have helped like for example i have a friend who does photography and he called me up and he said um i will come and do photography for your event for free um you know i'll do it for free and then he comes and does sports photography at our events like he takes really nice cool pictures of of the girls and they get super excited to get a picture and then they sh- they use those pictures at home they frame it or they share share it on social media and you know all these years like I, when i grew up and i played tournaments no one ever took any pictures of me i have no good pictures you know so no one even in bothers to like the tournaments that we've played even with the federation 
they didn't bother to hire a photographer to uh, take good pictures and you know to keep memories and uh, you know documentation of of events so even that is important you know keeping these pictures and then we use those pictures to showcase um, we send those pictures in newspapers and and to pub- publicize it in other places on tv and things uh, we've been very lucky like some of the tv channels uh have voluntarily come and said okay we want to give you 5 minutes of air time and 5 minutes of air time on tv is huge like uh, you know we would give them videos and things of the whole tournament we will make a 5 uh, minute uh, you know summary of the event and then they would put it on the sports section of the news so that's big for us so you know we we were able to make it to the news on tv in the right places also on social media and those kind of things have really helped us uh you know and our community uh, grow bigger and bigger every day really love it um i think the first thing i really like is i think your approach in in terms of when you started with well well work with uh young girls and you know, train them in basketball and soon realize okay actually there's so many things that we need to change but no worries okay we'll train women to be coach we'll train women to be referees we'll train whoever and uh, we'll also make parents proud i think it's also very important to be able to influence the parents and i think the medal is such a i mean it's so good and such a great hack as well to reach the parents at home and also i think what you are doing making basketball you know trendy some sorry you know people they you know they share on facebook their picture the events are fun you have more teams like people everyone want to register i think it's a start of okay now people they want to come because it's cool their friends are doing it i think it's can really go super far and another thing i really like is that you bring this professional setting you know to all your tournaments you know professional picture all this thing i think it's so so important as well so people see i mean all the efforts you've put in but they really have the experience that uh, they should have you know uh, so it's really really cool um maybe a question because you know you i you inspire so many people through deshi through through everything um but you know if we turn this question around like what you know what what you know gives you energy what inspires you when maybe you feel a bit more down a bit more sad or maybe when you feel uh some doubts what gives you some energy i don't know this is a tough question uh, <laughs> that a lot of people ask me uh what gives you energy to do so much and how do you stay positive because of course there are lots of battles we have to fight till now i mean it's not a smooth sailing road there are lots of drawbacks and challenges like you know we are doing well but we have a lot of people who don't see us as friends you know so you know i mean we've been we've had we've kept open doors to collaborate with anyone on on any kind of good program or or things like that certainly with the basketball federation as well because of course these girls they now aspire to play for the national team they you know want to be part of a national tournament a league they are aspiring to be you know at a national level but Uh, for that we have to work with the federation but the federation has not seen us as a friend they are they rather see us as an enemy so it's been challenging there and uh, sometimes upsetting as well i don't know what makes me happy i think the stories 
and really making a difference in some of the girls lives like when some of them come and tell me uh that uh, that they were really struggling and uh, and because they found deshi ballers and the program and a community they are now doing better in life they are much more happier i think when i hear these things uh it really uh keeps me going like for example i remember there was this girl uh in school i don't even remember her name or who where she was from but um apparently she told me this story much later and this was when i was also much younger uh maybe i had just started working or maybe i was still in university i can't remember and uh, there was we used to play at this local um court basketball court like pick up games and just practice we used to do that this was way before deshi ballers we used to play there and uh, some girls from the neighborhood would come and we would play and uh, i think one day a few days i i i stopped seeing one of the girls she didn't come for a long time for a few weeks uh and then one day i called her um uh and i said uh, why aren't you coming and then uh, she said she had some family problems and uh, issues at home for which she was uh, unable to uh, continue practices and i said if you want i can uh, speak to your mom or dad like if there is anything i can help with so i think there was something some issue with like we were playing in the evenings so her parents wouldn't let her stay outside after dark and then i offered to give her a lift home i spoke to her older brother and i said uh, let her come to play she really wants to play and um, maybe on my way home i can drop her at night uh, you know i i can i can help her give a lift because she she doesn't have a car so and i and later on much later she came and told me that that really changed her life in the sense that you know her her parents were telling her forbidding her to play sports because uh, they wouldn't allow her to stay at night uh, they didn't have a transport uh, and the fact that i helped her uh, really helped her come back to playing and and now she's still playing she's playing regularly i see her at tournaments she's i think she just finished school she's going to go into university but um, these are some stories that you know small things that and that uh, when i see that these girls are doing well it's the sports is really um you know making a difference there's one girl in our community who uh, play uh, trains at, at deshi ballers and uh, plays tournaments and plays regularly uh, and she was uh, so we sometimes uh, we get uh, a lot of uh, invitations from the us embassy about about pro- programs for youth like virtual now right now they're not able to travel to the us but lots of virtual programs on leadership on youth development on sports uh they send us these invitations and sometimes i just forward it to my girls and say you know some of you should apply and uh, two years back five of my girls uh, got selected for one of those programs and out of those five uh, one of the girls just um, very recently started her own business um some boutique some t-shirts and things she's selling so these kind of things really give me so much pride that you know how their journey is changing you know she was just a kid from school who used to come train with us and then she went on this program and now she's like an entrepreneur she has her own shop she's selling things um running her own page on facebook you know doing those social media things uh, i think these stories and seeing how deshi ballers is somewhat um helping these girls in their lives 
is what uh, keeps me going and makes me happy and uh, the value that i really see that okay maybe right now i'm seeing okay it's it's doing well it's going well but maybe 10 years or 20 years down the line is when i will really see the impact uh, of uh, a, a bigger impact when more and more girls are touched uh, from our programs and from the work we do maybe then we will see a bigger impact like right now um, another example that i can give is a few weeks back uh, and you know previously i as i grew up i always found myself you know asking the difficult questions or fighting with people about oh why can't we get this opportunity why aren't we getting paid why are the men getting paid and the w- women not getting paid you know so i used to ask these questions to the federation and the federation would really hate me saying that why are you asking so many questions you just keep quiet and play those kind of things they would tell me but i was always the one arguing and fighting and you know constantly poking and trying to fight for the girls because a lot of people don't have the courage to speak i was always the one who was speaking and that, hence i became like an enemy for all these uh, organizations um and right now and and there were times when i used to feel that why am i the only one who's speaking are won't there ever be any other girl also speaking with me so that was a bit frustrating for me but now um you know from 2009 till now 2021 now i can see a lot of these girls fighting and asking these questions so a few days back there was an under 21 tournament where and it was organized by some some people from a uni- university some organizers young kids were organizing it i hadn't i didn't know about it it's a, it, because it was an under 21 event so i didn't know um but somebody came and told me that um this is a tournament and uh here they they have kept an entry fee for participation so if you participate if you have to participate then you have to uh you know sign up with with some entry fee money uh, with your team apparently they had two different fees for the girls and boys so the girls uh fees was 500 taka 500 bucks more than the boys for some obs- absurd reason i couldn't figure out i said why Uh, so the boys had to pay 3000 taka bangladeshi taka uh, currency boys had to pay 3000 and the girls had to pay 3500 so i said well why is this are the are the girls going to get something special at this tournament like are they getting jerseys or something in uh, what's the reason and then it didn't make sense to me they were explaining something about uh, how the number of uh, girls teams is limited lower and hence uh, they would have to pay extra money to book the court something that did not make any sense to me uh, and i and i got very angry and i thought i have to go and speak to these organizers and say that you know you cannot charge uh, extra money from the girls um, because your logic makes no sense so it was a facebook event event page so i went on the event page to really start an argument and i saw that the young girls the school kids who are under 21 like 18 19 years of age are already fighting about this before i even spoke so that was a huge um, surprise for me because i all this time i thought uh, i'm the only one who speaks there are no other girls who speaks and argues with people and asks the right questions like i do and here i was seeing and i was just being a silent observer i was just you know scrolling through the news feed and checking all the comments and all these girls were asking why should the girls pay more 
um, your logic does not uh, make any sense if there are if the court is booked for two tournaments then the fees the court court fees should be divided equally among all the teams it should not be more for the girls and less for the boys or more for the boys and less for the girls it should be either 3000 for both or 3500 for both but not you know different for boys and girls then that that, that does not that defies the you know gender equality balance that we are trying to create and there is no logical explanation that you are able to give and i even saw comments where they were saying that you know if you don't make the this fee equal for boys and girls we will boycott your tournament and you will not play so this is what i was just observing and i was and, and eventually they won the fight and they the organizers made the amount equal for boys and girls and sorry don't mind my dog <coughs> so so <coughs> the, so they actually eventually made the fees equal for boys and girls and that was a big victory i think it's a small victory but a but the fight is on and uh, it's the effect of the deshi ballers you know values and what we showcase that you know we must always um treat each other equally boys and girls uh, give them the same level of opportunities um and uh, and you know always ask the right questions if you are discriminated if you are uh, unjustly or wrongly uh, given something don't just accept it always ask that why why should i give this uh, what's the reason for the disparity why not equal so and it's really working all these girls are speaking up on their own and uh, these are the kind of things that i think really uh, keep me going and it makes me think that okay then it's not just about playing a tournament and winning but it's also about the values and what you are preaching at this at these events i mean maybe that 500 bucks uh, was not a lot of money for anyone but is the is the theory or is the idea that why girls are having to pay more than boys is what uh, what uh, made no sense to me and i didn't even have to fight that battle they fought it and they won it on their own so uh, these are the things that i think keeps me going can imagine you super angry on the page and they're like oh let me like everything <laughs> and no this is so cool This is really, really cool. Yeah, no, Deshibola is like much more than basketball. I think definitely. And I think much more than just gender equality. Also, I think it's, well, I really love that you're not only sharing about winning because it's a sport, but all the values that come with it and all the values that you have learned yourself as well. And I'm sure Monica as well and your husband. And I feel like Deshibola is like this great coach that you were speaking about. changing life for all the women players um no that's cool and and so i, I i'm looking at the time i think uh we're approaching the end so i have a few just two questions that i always end with um so one is um you know if uh, you could go back in time maybe to the ashrin who just entered university so around 18 19 17 something like this and you can tell her something what would you tell her this might sound a bit strange and very functional but i would probably tell her to take better care of her body and to learn um about you know things like how to prevent injuries and how to deal with injuries because uh, as we grew up um 
there was never anyone who uh, told us about these uh, challenges and issues like i am the first athlete in my own family uh, in my family there was never any other athlete a boy or a girl so me and my younger brother we were the only first to uh, who actually played any sports so naturally even my parents didn't know like what food i should eat what shoes i should wear and back then you know i you know we didn't come from, i didn't come from a very well off family both my mom and dad are teachers um so naturally we didn't have the money to you know afford expensive shoes um and and those kind of things but the knowledge was also not there uh, i didn't know like when i had an ankle sprain and when i had you know a knee problems and a lot of the girls um in the community are also facing the same but right now we're trying to change that narrative so when i was younger nobody no big sister came and told me that hey if you have an ankle sprain you need to um you know rest for 6 weeks and then do uh you know a few weeks of physiotherapy or rehabilitation and then you should come back to sports i didn't know that what i used to do was i used to just rest for uh you know 3 4 weeks and then go back to playing without doing any therapy any strength training nothing because nobody told me these information so uh, if i had to go back i would tell myself to consult with a proper doctor uh know how to uh, take care of the body just to prolong and ensure a longer um you know playing career because right now uh what i am experiencing was like i have a lot of knee problems and a lot of ankle problems for which i'm i'm having to do a lot of therapy and exercises if i did that strength building younger then maybe right now i would be it would be much easier for me to continue playing because uh, i am one of the oldest uh, active players in in uh, women's basketball right now i'm 31 years old and uh, i i am possibly i am the um, oldest oldest player uh, who is still playing uh, but with a lot of um, what can i say right now i really have to look out for myself and my health and you know make sure that i'm you know doing everything properly uh, so that i can avoid injuries but younger when i was younger i thought that oh i'm i'm totally fine nothing's going to happen to me uh, and then we are prone to a lot of injuries and in bangladesh we usually play on concrete we don't have a lot of indoor basketball courts which is wooden so hence when you're playing on concrete and this is something i learned much later when i talked to doctors and i did like google researches and stuff that um, when you run on concrete your knees and bones erode faster if you don't wear the right shoes so for many years i didn't wear correct shoes i think i started wearing proper shoes from like 2015 or 13 or uh, 14 or 15 so much later and all my life i wore like the wrong shoes uh, so that really impacted my um, you know my health and my uh, you know injuries as an athlete So that's the only thing that I would tell myself when I'm young, when I was younger. I really love like how all, all the problems you faced. You are like, I will make sure that the next generation don't face it. I, I love this that mindset. That's very true, because um, everything that I knew, me, Monica, all the other senior players, uh, what we've experienced, we always try to share these now with uh, with the players, and the players now also come to us that hey, uh, Ashwin, you know, I'm. and experiencing this have you experienced this in your life and what should i do and a lot of them don't have the money to go to a therapist or a te- or a you know doctor all the time but at least we can share what knowledge we have that you know go go talk to this doctor or wear this kind of shoes um what shoes you are wearing is wrong it is the basic things we can tell them so 
what we struggled with uh, and back then you know we didn't have the 2009 10 when i started playing for the national team um i don't even think i had a smartphone i didn't have a phone even with a camera i had a normal phone and just for talking and i didn't have like i didn't have access to internet like you know to search on google and to find out if i'm doing it right or wrong and uh, there was no you know, doctor or physio therapist to tell us like the federation did not have a doctor uh, for the women's team so we couldn't even ask that is this okay is am i doing it right so right now we are trying to encourage girls to properly you know how to come back from an injury um and how to treat your injury so that later on you know at least you can play for a long period of time rather than ending your career at, when you're like 22 or 23 just because you know you were not careful when you were younger hmm. yeah and i imagine like back then yeah it's right you don't know who you're supposed to ask and now which is great they all know okay we'll ask uh, big sister ashwin <laughs> if we have any question um How would you like to uh, how would you like people to remember you for I think I would like people to remember me as the person who changed the future of women's basketball I don't want to be known as um a person who won a lot of awards or you know a person who went on so and so programs abroad and this and that brought back um trophies and medals i just want to be known as the person who did it the first time you know the person who came forward and thought that um creating this platform and doing something different for women's basketball could change the future and we are seeing the fruits now and i know that i may not live live long enough to see the actual uh results and um you know what happens at 10 years or 20 years or even 50 years down the line i just want to be known as the person who started it all i know that uh, even when i'm gone um you know I- i'm not going to be here forever but even when i'm gone i know that there are people in the pipeline like my younger uh, girls in the community and the girls who will come after them the next generations and the generations beyond they will grow up with the same and similar kind of values like i said uh, on that facebook page i was seeing them talk in the same language that i used to talk when i was younger and i think this is a language and a mentality that will uh, go on for generations and i just want to be known as the person who started it and the person who thought that um, you know a small change could uh, give huge results in the future and hence the future was forever changed and it's it's there's no going back now it's only moving forward only moving for better days and i'd just like to be known as the person who started it but it's it's actually exactly my feeling after hearing your story like the first one in the like the pioneer you know in your family in basketball in the society the pioneer who started everything who voiced out who you know So I think you're doing pretty well already. Um and yeah maybe let, let me combine my two real final questions. Uh but how would you describe yourself in three hashtags and how can people in general anyone in the world can support uh Deshi Bowlers? Describe myself in hashtags. I think the yeah, only hashtag, hashtag that I yeah 
the my favorite hashtag is the one that we use for deshi ballers which is the hashtag the court needs her um and and the reason why uh, i came up with this was you know the court the basketball court had men for all these years for so many years and now the court needs girls to come so hence the court needs her that would be uh, my my first one um what else i have to think of two more um yeah <laughs> but you already have a sentence so <laughs> which is pretty good yeah. yeah the court needs her that's the one that we use for for deshi wallers yeah cool and uh yeah no in general how can people uh support deshi wallers is it only people in bangladesh can support or if i don't know someone listening from another country how can they support as well yeah i think everyone can support deshi bowlers from around the world especially in bangladesh but also from beyond um first of all you know by just showcasing and promoting our cause by just you know we have social media pages we have pages on facebook on instagram um on linkedin uh, on youtube we have videos and games and things like that so you know share and support um whatever we are doing the more we share the more you know love and likes we get but also you know more people see it and uh, it just reaches more and more people uh, and our cause and of course um there are ways in which we are uh, we sometimes we do set up gofundmes and uh, donation links where people can um you know uh, you know donate and uh, give us give us funds so that we can provide equipment and basketball stuff to girls around the country uh we also have a lot of cool merchandise so we have like t-shirts and um, you know water bottles mugs and we're we're going to launch a lot of cool stuff as well initially we didn't uh plan on becoming a, a you know a, have a having a merchandise line but we're seeing that it's very very popular among these kids you know they they want they want a a brand that um that they can connect with for basketball so we are trying to uh use this as a fund generating model where we can use the funds uh, from selling these merchandise and then use the funds back for for the girls who need them you know if they need equipment and things like that we purchase it for them so you know th- there are ways in which this is another way in which people can support us by buying our merchandise and you know uh sharing it wearing it uh so that you know there we are able to reach more and more people and of course a lot of people uh, always come and uh collaborate with us so if you have ideas um you know we are always we always have open doors we've done done collaborations with a lot of uh, international organizations as well uh, if there are mentorship organize uh, you know mentorship opportunities where we can learn or our players can learn uh, that also helps like we have our on our page we share uh, some of our um, you know practice videos and we have coaches from around the world who give us a lot of feedback so a few days back we were practicing we shared some videos and a coach from maldives um we met him during the national championship and he follows us um and gives us a lot of positive advice and uh, coaching advice so he saw some of the videos on drills and he gave us some good constructive feedback about how well better we can do this drill what else we can incorporate so we are, we are very we are a very open platform we love collaborations you know just send us an email uh, at deshiballers@gmail.com and uh, we are always open for uh, 
uh, ideas and ways to collaborate, expand, learn from other communities and share our story as well. Cool. Thank you so much, Ashwin. Really loved our conversation. We spoke for, I think, one hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, but no, yeah, for me, just love all your stories. I think you have a lot of, you know, very concrete stories. Super, super cool to listen to you. And, and yeah, I think I just, yeah, so inspired by this conversation. Thank you so much for Thank coming on Lifeline. Thank you a lot for, for having me. And I look forward to listening to the whole thing. And all the girls over here are also expecting to hear this story. Congrats for listening until the end of this episode. Of course, to best support Lifeline, you can share this episode to two of your friends and subscribe to the next episodes on any platform. See you next time.